Hello and welcome to the Tolleson Insights Podcast, conversations designed to help families build on their success and leave a more meaningful legacy. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, and I'm joined today by Tolleson's president, Richard Joyner. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited for this conversation, as always. Yeah, it's going to be fun and something that we talked about during our last episode. We're going to dig deeper into that topic. And so last episode, we started talking about trustees. And today we're going to discuss five principles that families should consider when selecting a trustee. So uh, why don't we just give a quick recap of the last episode? if somebody hasn't listened to that, why is this such an important decision in the estate planning process? So um, in the estate planning process, the choice of a trustee is a really, really important decision because often within the trust, there are really significant decisions being made on behalf of the family. Uh, Decisions about distributions, about assets the family will continue to hold or invest in, assets involving a lot of complicated administrative things as well. Choosing a trustee, the appropriate trustee in a situation like this is critically important for the successful outcome of the gift that a, that a parent has made to a trust. Yeah. Getting some findings to the right person for that role and setting the trust up with the appropriate safeguards and provisions really does impact the long-term outcome. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing I'd emphasize is again and again, being a trustee is typically a long-term role. Trust is usually set up for to last decades, generations. So we're, we work now with some, some client families that have trust that were set up in the 19. 50s, 60s, 70s. Wow. It's a long-term role. I think that has a lot of implications when you're making those decisions. Yeah. There's so many important decisions to make in the estate planning process, but I think you made a really good case in our last episode of just how important this one is and how many things can go wrong if you don't get this one right. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, you can hit pause on this and go back and listen to that one and it'll give you some context. But what we want to do today is uh, you guys over there at Tolleson Wealth Management, you guys have five principles that you share with families when it comes to selecting the right trustees. So we're going to just go through each of these and you can unpack them. And so, uh, The first principle that you guys share is this, is to select a trustee who knows the people who will benefit from the assets held in the trust. So why don't you talk about that? So I think it's it's extremely important, and I think one of the foundational principles here is that the trustee role is a stewardship role. Hmm. It's a stewardship role, which means essentially the trustee is managing uh, these assets for someone else's benefit. Yeah. Think about managing something for someone else's benefit. If you came to me as a stranger and said, here's a big sum of money that I want you to manage. And I knew nothing about you or your kids or your relationship with your family or your parents or your siblings. If I don't know anything about you, it's really hard for me to make good judgments. Yeah. I will carry out the intent of a trust instrument. And of course the trust is the roadmap. The yeah. trust gives you, gives you the creator's intent. So I always talk about the fact that you have to know the people, you have to have a relationship with the people. So fundamentally you've got to understand not only their financial skills, but how well they budget money. Yeah. If they come and they ask for an extra distribution every month or two beyond what was intended by the trust, maybe that means they're not managing their money very well. That's right. And so the job of a trustee, I think, in that context is to know the situation well enough to go, at times I need to intervene and work with the beneficiary to help them to help them spend a little more effectively or do something to change their lifestyle a little bit so that they can manage their lifestyle to be consistent with what resources they'll get from the trust. Yeah. That's what I mean by being involved. It's not just a matter of sitting there and doling out cash. Yeah. You've got to somehow engage, help them make better decisions. Um, you've got to get to know their kids. Um, we, we here, when we are serving as a professional trustee, we're often working with two and three generations of a family simultaneously. Wow. So it's not just about knowing the parents, it's about knowing the kids and their kids and all the interrelationships. And so it, it becomes fairly complex in that in that vein. 
What it means though, is that if you're committed to being a good trustee, it's really important that you're willing to invest the time and energy to understand and have those relationships. Yeah. Very hard to do it at a distance. It's very hard to do if you don't spend the time. And it's very hard if you're not willing to dig in and get to know the people. And I think the word you're using there is exactly right. It's it's kind of an old word, the word stewardship. I mean, that's not one that we're going around talking about often in today's business culture. But but that idea of managing another's assets according to the owner's vision and values, you know, and that that's what the trustee really does. And so they have to know people. This isn't just um, just a pure accounting role or an accounts payable or accounts receivable role. We all use or we all know how to entrust people with our assets. Like if you ever send something to FedEx or via FedEx or UPS, you're essentially saying uh, you're stewarding my goods right now. But the only thing they need to know is where do you want this to go and when do you want it to be there? Your estate is very different than that, right? It's a lot more complex. There are, it's a lot more complex and there are a lot more decisions to be made. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So, so principle number one, you've got to know the people who are going to benefit from these assets held in trust because a lot of the decisions are very complex. And so uh, that's one thing to definitely keep in mind. All right. Let's talk about principle number two. It says to ensure that the trustee is committed to engaging with the beneficiaries, not just managing and handing out cash. So let's talk about that one. Yeah. So it, engaging with beneficiaries to me, uh, we talked a little bit about getting to know the family, getting the building the relationships. But engaging with the beneficiaries to me, there's another principle involved here, and that is that the trustee needs to be committed to being a great trustee, but the beneficiary also has to have some level of commitment to the process Mm. to understand the grantor's intent. So my parents create a trust for me, and they want to provide supplemental income, or they want to provide resources so that I'll be able to get all the education that I want. Right. The, the beneficiary needs to know as much of that information as the trustee does mm. about intent, what the money is used for. And so engaging with beneficiaries to me means that you've got to get to know the beneficiaries and you've got to be able as a trustee to assess their level of knowledge and skill. Yeah. A lot of times you'll talk to a beneficiary and the beneficiary will never have read the, the trust instrument. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it becomes this uh, ongoing relationship that you build uh, between the two parties to say, yeah, here are the things that I need to do and do well as a trustee. Here are the things that I want you to do to help me in that process. I want you to understand what your parents asked of the trustee. I want you to understand what they intended would be done with the resources they left for your benefit. And together, let's let's work on making decisions. I often see situations where people, where young folks want to take money from the trust and start a business. Okay. Right. If the creator of the trust says that's okay, then the trustee can decide to do that. But is that all that's required? Mm. I would say no. Yeah. I typically will ask somebody for a business plan. I'll ask them for cash flow projections. I'll ask them what research they did. I'll ask them what experience they've had in the business world or in this particular industry. That's what I mean by engaging with the beneficiaries. Yeah. It just requires much more interaction and coaching and mentoring in many cases. Those are, to me, those are an element of what you do as a trustee. Yeah, I'm getting this idea of it's not playing the role of a ref. It's it's closer to being a parent, you know, where you're not just saying here's what's right and wrong, but you're explaining intent behind it. Because I would imagine as a beneficiary, you may, if, if you did read the trust document and you, you would maybe be confused by some of the provisions in there, the trustee can help bridge that gap and go, here's what they were thinking when they wrote this and why they said this, right? Yeah. And of course, in the process of creating these documents, I would always suggest that there be dialogue between parents and children as they're creating these things. Right. And and for that very reason, because sometimes the intent doesn't come through, you know, a long set of legal provisions. Um, so 
there's no there's no substitute for actually having conversation within a family right to, to mitigate or eliminate the need for this kind of interpretation if you will yeah that's the more good. the family understands and has that conversation up front the better the outcome will be all right i like this okay so principle one you've got to know the people who are going to benefit from the assets principle two the trustee has got to be committed to engaging with the beneficiaries not just playing that ref role or managing and handing out cash uh, this next principle here is where I think things are going to start to get real, <laughs> right? So a great trustee knows when and how to say no. I'm sure you've got some stories. There yeah. are tons of, and, and I always tell people that I think this is one of the things that really separates the good trustees from everybody else. Yeah. Um, if you think about it in the context of, uh, you know, just a parent creating a trust for a child, um, parents, you know, part of what they have to do in many cases is set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes say, no, this is excessive. Try something else. It's not that the trustee really becomes the parent, but the beneficiary has got to have enough of a relationship with the trustee. So the trustee can go through and evaluate a request objectively. And remember, it's always going back to the roadmap, the right. trust document. Yep. Trust document says I can distribute 5% of the assets every year. Well, I need seven. I need much more than that. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to work enough and have enough of a relationship with a beneficiary that they know that you have conscientiously and objectively evaluated the request. I would say sometimes with the knowledge that you've taken a practical look in addition to just the legal words. Right. So there is some judgment. There is some, you know, some professional decision making involved there. And that if you even if you say no, they've got to have enough confidence that saying no doesn't mean that every time you make a request, it's just going to be no. Yeah. There's got to be more to it than that, because I think if you if you if that's the way it's conducted, I think it turns the beneficiary away. It turns it into much more of a, a conflict ridden uh, relationship. I think one of the things that sets apart a great trustee is the ability to say no to a beneficiary and the beneficiary does not lose confidence yeah. in the work of the trustee. Yeah. And I think and I think that just requires an ongoing relationship and the, the willingness to look at things objectively and the willingness to engage a beneficiary in conversation about why the decision was made about alternatives they might consider and about how they can continue to move forward so that it doesn't become this wall. Yeah. Because the wall creates conflict. Yeah. I'm here to play keep away from you. That's not really the job of a trustee. You're no. a steward. Yeah. Which if you want to do things for the benefit of the people that the, the creator of the trust intended. And I would imagine, you know, as you're talking about this, that a good trustee may, uh, they may not, they may just say no for now. And so maybe it's a not yet. Right. And so somebody, maybe one of the beneficiaries said, hey, we ate at this great restaurant the other night. And uh, in this other town, I was traveling. It was this great restaurant. This restaurant's going to do great in my town. I want to open up this restaurant. Right. Do you ever see a scenario like that? Yeah. The restaurant, it's always bars and restaurants. For right. me that are the examples of something like this. Um, so many times a young beneficiary really is really likes the idea of being in the restaurant business or owning a bar. And, and, I don't know why that attraction is there, because if you know anything about those businesses, they're very hard businesses. Very difficult. So, you know, you, get, you go into a situation where you're asking them a lot of questions. That's where you talk about the, the business plan and the cash flow. And have you ever really run a restaurant? Right. No, I've, just, I've just eaten there. There's so much more to it than that. And I think that's, that's where wisdom and experience if shared properly. Uh, it doesn't feel like lecturing or condescending. It, yeah. it can feel like, let me be a member of your team. Yeah. Let's figure out when the right time is to do that. And if you're going to do that, let's do these three things before you take that step. I like that. Okay. So uh, you got to know the uh, who's going to benefit. You've got to be able to engage with who's going to benefit, not just play the role of manager. You've got to know when to say no or not yet. Got to ask some questions when requests are made. So principle number four would be this. Sometimes co-trustees are better than one trustee. 
So why don't you talk about that? Well, aside from the obvious, two heads are sometimes better than one. Um, really in a situation where you have co-trustees, you're looking for, I think, a situation where you have skills that complement one another. Yeah. But the best example is a situation where there is a family business and the family business is a significant part of the legacy that a, a trust creator leaves for the rest of the family. So in that situation, um, if, you, if the business for, goes through a period of time where the business doesn't do well, um, a corporate trustee may say, well, gosh, that's not an appropriate investment to keep. We need to figure out how to sell this and liquidate it and, and invest in something else. Yeah. The family may say, no, there's no way. Mom and dad created this business and they wanted it to be one of our assets forever in this family. <laughs> and so you have those kind of conversations. And I think in, in situations like that, you really do benefit from having both a family trustee and a corporate trustee. Yep. Corporate trustee will bring in, bring in process and certain uh, certain disciplines that are required to protect the beneficiaries. Then the family members can bring in the discussion about what the intent was and how do we how do we turn things around? How do we how do we create a situation where some beneficiaries are concerned about the investment? How do we communicate with them differently? How do we bring them into the conversation? So so to me that's a situation where two heads are clearly better than one. Yeah. Because you come much closer to meeting the needs of the family. Yeah. And that's really what all this comes back to. But there are some situations where two would not be better than one, right? Like uh, in the instance of a siblings, right? Siblings to me is clearly a situation where uh, two are not better than one. Yeah. Just I've seen too many situations over the years um, where it creates nothing but conflict. Yeah. If, if there is a beneficiary of a trust that really needs help, um, there are some limited circumstances that I would say that's okay. But I think the vast majority, it's just not it's not the right thing to do. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so the last principle would be this, is that corporate trustees are worth considering. So that may be new to some of our listeners. What is a corporate trustee and and why would that be something worth considering? So a corporate trustee is nothing more than a financial institution who agrees to serve in that role as trustee for the benefit of the family and the beneficiaries. So if you go back to the premise that trustees in general are held to a very high standard of behavior. Right. There's lots of, of trust law in most states, and, and there's lots of court cases that would say there are very few roles that are held to a higher standard of conduct than a trustee. Hmm. And it makes sense. You're doing something for the benefit of a family. Um, so you're held to a very high standard. And because of that, I think there are some long-term practices that if you're serving as an individual trustee for a particular family, this may be the first time you've ever done it. Yeah. It may be the only time you ever do. And so there's a, there's a lot of experience and wisdom that comes from having dealt with difficult situations repeatedly. Hmm. So the, the easiest way for me to illustrate that is some of the special situations you encounter yeah. that, are, that are difficult. If you have an overspending family member, if unfortunately you end up in a situation where there's addiction, hmm. if there's a situation where you have an older beneficiary and there are questions about whether that person is fit to continue making financial decisions. Okay. Those are situations that really require a lot of professional knowledge, access to resources that can help you navigate. When we're a corporate trustee, if we run into an addiction situation, we bring in outside addiction specialists and we work with them to help guide us through a yeah. process that will hopefully get the beneficiary back on the right path. So those kind of situations really, I think, make the, make the case clearer. But I think using a corporate trustee that really is focused on being a good steward um, can be can benefit the family in many many ways. Some of which we've hit on earlier in the conversation. Yeah. But I think that for many years, corporate trustees got a bad rap uh, because they they tended to do things that were more legalistic and not as they didn't demonstrate knowledge of the family. I saw a lot of situations early in my career where a corporate trustee. This was when I was not 
serving as a corporate cr- trustee. Yeah. But a corporate trustee would come in on behalf of the family and the family would be a corporate executive's family, a big company. And so there was a lot of company stock in there. Yeah. The stock goes down, the corporate trustee says you got to sell it and they blow the, blow the stock out. You know, those kind of situations create a bad reputation that they're going to come in, they're going to be sterile, they're not going to learn the situation, and they're going to make decisions that the family is not part of. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think you see a lot of really good corporate trustees out there these days. And if you're asking the right questions and if you understand the role enough to really investigate whether the trustee will serve the way it should be done. Yeah. And I think it can be a great option either as a trustee, as a co-trustee, or in some cases, just working in the background is what we call an agent for the trustee. Yeah. So they meet some of these back office and administrative requirements. That's good. So, you know, I'm putting this episode together with the last episode, and there's been so many great principles and some warnings and some suggestions and a lot of education, but I would imagine there's still some listeners right now going, yeah, there's been some things you've said that are similar to my situation, but not all of them. And so I would really just need to talk to somebody about my situation so that I can make the right decision. So somebody like that, what's the next step for them? Who should they call to, to get some help navigating these decisions? So I, I think, first of all, I think there are some books that are out there uh, that, that deal with these sort of inter- multi-generational families who deal with a lot of trust-related issues. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a good idea to talk to peers. If you know people are in a similar situation, ask them questions about what's worked and what hasn't worked. I do think that there are a fair number of really good professionals out there. Mm-hmm. We'll work with the family to guide them through their specific situation and help them identify the solution that is best, best for, for them. them. Yep. And so there's a combination of places. It's um, it's a fairly nuanced discussion, yeah. but I think there are plenty of resources. And I, and I shouldn't shouldn't leave out the attorneys who draft the documents. You're right. Many of them are very, very wise and sensitive and have seen and experienced a lot of both the good outcomes and the not so good outcomes. All of those are resources that a family can use to help figure out what makes the most sense. And I'll go back to our first episode that we did on why would somebody even need a multifamily office? Because I think what we're really illustrating here is one of the benefits because the establishment of a trust and an estate plan involves so many different things. And uh, you again, you could play that general contractor role and go find your wealth manager and go find your estate planning attorney and go find, you know, a trustee. Or you can lean on a multifamily office like Tolleson that can come and you guys can help manage all of that or help guide families through all that, correct? The ability to stand beside a family and to serve as a guide through the the, the land of wealth, yep. making some of these decisions and navigating them for many families is invaluable. Yeah. And it's for that very reason, because unless you have been down that path before, sometimes you won't know the questions to ask. Yeah. And if you're the one that's piecing three or four different pro- professional advisors together and coming up with your own solutions, it's, it's not that it can't be done. It's just hard to do. And there's a big benefit to experience. That's right. Having gone down that path before, you've seen what worked. That's right. All right, Richard, let's put a bow on all of this, this, this big conversation about trustees, the last episode in this one. Uh, what's the best prescription when it comes to trustee selection, in your opinion? Arm yourself with information. Be, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to have the conversations. They don't need to be about dollars and cents. The process questions around being a trustee are so important to the family long term. Yep. Think about the people that you're leaving this gift for in trust. Part of the gift involves giving them the resources to maximize the outcomes. And I think that's really what this comes down to. It's figuring out how to do that best. That's right. Great information as always, Richard. Uh, So fun to be with you today. Me too. Thanks, Adam. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam here. If you need help navigating a trustee decision or if you have any other questions and would like to talk to one of the professionals at Tolleson Wealth Management, visit TollisonWealth.com. That's T-O-L-L-E-S-O-N, Wealth. 
www.tylosonsoundsystems.com to start that conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Tylosan Insights Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on today's episode do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Tylosan Wealth Management. The information we discussed today is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation or an offer to buy a security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. As always, you should consult your professional advisors before making any tax, legal, financial planning, or investment decisions. That's all for this episode. We'll talk to you again next time.